Cinema Sex Ed contains strong language, sexual scenarios, and potentially offensive comments. It is intended for maturely immature audiences only. Would you like a condom? Um, I don't know if like is always the uh, right thing, but I think a condom is it's often necessary. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think that condoms get a bad rap. Yeah. I think that uh, sometimes condoms can make things kind of a little slidier. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and definitely. Tidier. You can have more fun if it reduces. Stress. Stress, yeah. And your sheets stay nicer. Absolutely. That's You don't very, have very to true. worry about rolling over into a wet spot. Rusty trombone. Hot Carl. Rim job. Toss my salad. Cinema sex ed. Cinema sex ed. Nipple clam. Chocolate coxicle. Pink taco. Hop on this, baby. Cinema sex ed. Cinema sex ed. Money shot. Anal intruder. Cleveland steamer. Gas mask. Cinema sex ed. Cinema sex ed. Reverse cowgirl. <laughs> Yeehaw! Teabagging. Kama Sutra. Kama my face. Cinema Sex Ed. Welcome back, students, <laughs> to another scintillating episode of Cinema Sex Ed. I'm Miss Jenny. And I'm Miss Marcy. And, and class, class is, is in. in. Do you notice when I said scintillating Cinema Sex Ed, how horrifying my lisp was? I I feel the same way when I hear myself saying Cinema Sex Ed. My, <laughs> myself saying, myself saying, myself saying. We're very sibilant. We're very sibilant. We have sibilant S's. If you've been listening to this show at all, you've probably heard us not only acknowledge our sibilant S's, but talk about our past history, our shared history of experiencing speech therapy when we were younger. <laughs> yes, we have baggage. <laughs> But hell, we are taking it back. I mean, we named a show Cinema Sex Ed. <laughs> we fly our sibilant proudly, our sibilant flag proudly. That's right. What should the symbol be on our sibilant? <laughs> like a, a snake? <laughs> Ooh, that could mean a lot of things, Jenny. That's right. For Cinema Sex Ed. And if, penises. If any of our... Oh, sorry. There. I said yeah, penis there you go. early on. Yes. Woo! Welcome back. Oh, yeah. Class. Oh, yeah. So if any I'm of doing our, a penis dance. our favorite students want to be teacher's pets and design a uh, a symbol for Cinema Sex Ed, hey, you know, bring it on. We would love it. A sibilant S. <laughs> How do you draw a sibilant S? <laughs> How do you not draw a sibilant S? <laughs> That's a real question. <laughs> so... Hi, kids. It's lesson four, and as promised, we're covering the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And we decided, as we often do, to make an event out of our pre-show festivities. First, we thought, well, we live in L.A., uh, for you out-of-town listeners, you probably know that already, and uh, every Saturday night at this theater called The New Art, they do a midnight showing of Rocky Horror Picture Show, and at first I said to Jenny, ooh, let's go to the midnight show and dress up and do the whole thing, and then we both kind of went, eh, <laughs> eh. Midnight. Uh, what a schlep. <laughs> so we had our own little soiree. Oh, there's another sibling S word. We had, we had discussed it and we thought about going over to the new art. And, and we went, ugh. Oh, 
and and it's also October. So here is something that seemed, I thought it seemed very fortuitous, that we randomly picked the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I mean, not so randomly. I mean, it was something that it had one of the It had one of the highest ratings on our list, you know, of, of people people's I Feel Funny down there. And so it was something we really wanted to cover. It's obviously got a lot of uh, themes that run through it that have sexual content and significance and also cinematically it's we'll talk a little bit about about it um not some great piece of art but in some ways it is it's kind of depends on how you define art really um it's it's pop art truly so there were lots of reasons why we wanted to cover it and then when we were preparing we realized that not only was it going to be our next show, but in this past month was the 40th anniversary of its release, which neither of us knew when we finished the Fast Times no. American Virgin podcast no. that we were going to do it. And they were like, oh, my God, how fortuitous. So it's 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 really in the zeitgeist right now. There's lots of articles and stuff Wow, you're using fantastic words today. Can I just say that? <laughs> Your words are hot, Jenny. Thank you. Zeitgeist is the new prescient. <laughs> I'm having my first Diet Coke since December and I keep burping. Personal. Personal moments. So if you hear that after <laughs> or before a sibilant S, you'll know which one of us it's coming from. That's right. I'm trying to be naughty because we watched Rocky Horror Picture Show last night and I'm giving myself over to absolute pleasure. Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. In my case, that's one can of Diet Coke <laughs> for the year. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not judging. Cray. You go. You let your freak fly. Yeah. Woo-hoo. That was scary sound, wasn't it? It was an enthusiastic sound. It was. It was. So yeah, so we had a handful of people over, and it was lovely, and it was one of our friends who joined us, um, a friend of the show as well, listener Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi, Jason. We love you. Hi. Uh, we love him so much, and I've known Jason half my life, more than half my life, which is really strange to say. <laughs> I guess I knew at some point, but I'd forgotten, is that he had seen... Rocky Horror over a hundred times. Yeah, you know who knew this? People's people have passed. You know he has a Rocky Horror past. He was amazing. He was amazing in terms of talking back and and the crowd participation part. I I actually felt like he held back, and I wished he would have been a little bit more. I know, but, but he made it. He made it really fun because he knew all the things to yell out at the screen and. You know, what's funny to me is that both Jenny and I, the mutual friends that we had here last night, we have some really amazing, high achieving, intelligent, uh, interesting friends who really have accomplished so much with their lives. And here we all were of an age, which I will not say. And, and I looked around the room and I go, wow, everybody in this room is just really fucking amazing. And and smart and, and all the things I said. And we all just gave ourselves over to that film. It was so, we were like, 
we were like 12 year olds everybody in that room just yelling out and singing along and it was kind of, it was glorious it was it's just this uh, unfettered silliness and the participation was just lovely and a freedom in the space because it's our friends but i think that that's really the experience that a lot of people have when they go to see the rocky horror picture show is what is it about it's true though it's amazing because in watching the show i haven't seen the movie in years it's just so silly you know it's so silly and what is it about that movie that has caused uh, a whole phenomenon what is it about that movie and it is now like the longest running film in the history of film of, of cinema uh because it still plays around the world uh, midnight showings in countries in most major cities and and it just seems to continue to go one of the things that i read recently was talking about the experience of bringing newcomers into the fold and it, that that in itself sounds really dirty it's a little creepy Jenny. i'm gonna <laughs> welcome you into the fold um not my fold uh labial folds ew, yes <laughs> nasty oh someone's having a garbage can sonata outside welcome to los angeles you never know what day the garbage is going to be collected uh, but one of the things about it is that people continue to bring other people right and i don't know if you've ever taken anyone but when i i grew up in the midwest and have lived in for, for you for listeners uh i've lived in los angeles for over 25 years now and in the course of that my younger sisters who were born after i left for los angeles would come out and visit me and when they were 10 years old by this time they're somewhere between 10 and 12 and a friend of marcy's and mine uh smokes who we've referred to before in the past and i took the twins to go see rocky horror picture show oh my gosh how fun at a midnight showing while they were out visiting their their big older crazy sister in los angeles and just the looks on their faces and these are kids who were growing up <laughs> in detroit so you know they've they've seen some stuff and even at that age you know they were no sort of well they were no strangers to multiculturalism and the broad ideas and and all of that i mean this is that's kind of how my family is but still the rocky horror experience to take them at that age well the way they do it here too at the the new art i don't know if it's because it's los angeles but they the people that come every week they and and act everything out in front of the screen they're actually cast like they don't just uh rely on audience members coming in and it's a whole subculture there yeah and i was doing some some background reading on this to prepare for this cast and they were talking about different theaters different communities around the country do it differently sometimes it's based on whoever gets there first so you know whoever wants to be whoever wants to play frankenfurter who you want to get there first so they people start lining up early and it also then becomes kind of a gathering where people right are, you know meeting they and line friends. up so early there. i live right near there and i drive by you know they start lining up at like nine o'clock and somebody else was interviewed saying that they 
went for the first time and didn't know anyone and left with a group of friends. You know, so it's a right. community builder. Well, and I was friendly with someone who took me there who was friendly with the cast members. And um, uh, there's a whole subculture there, uh, you know, and 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 backbiting and so and so is a better Frankenfurter. Oh, that's disappointing. And blah, 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 blah. But that yeah. doesn't happen in any group because it's like a any group. group. Yeah, it is. It's a theater group, but also <clears throat> they take it. You know, it's it's serious business to them. At this point, it kind of makes sense that it is because it's become something that I think a lot of people feel ownership of you know like it's very you were talking to some of our our friends last night about it and and people have very personal connections and feelings right about it and how their own experiences what it's meant to them is this very strange campy well we could talk about camp cult film this very strange piece of cinema has just had this deep impact on some people you just wouldn't expect it so what was your first experience jen personal personal moments my first experience uh, was amazing um i've spoken about my best friend from childhood growing up or actually she's uh like since junior high heather heather's parents took us and with her, it was her and her older sister and her parents. And when I think back on it now, it really blows my mind that they took us. I'm so grateful. And it's kind of strange that it wasn't my parents who were the kind of the theater people, the far out people, the really like my father's an artist. There were always pictures of naked bodies around the house. You know, they're very, I had a very different upbringing from Heather, who had a very kind of conservative household. And the fact that it was her parents who actually took us really kind of blows my mind in retrospect. And and I really love Jean and Nancy. Nancy's, <laughs> Nancy has left this plane of existence, but will always be with us. And, and Jean, Jean is a force to be reckoned with on his own. But they took us and... We were in junior high, and I remember we became obsessed with the music, and we would walk down the halls singing, what's the, there's a light burning in the fireplace. There was a moment last night when we were watching the movie when uh, I I tapped Yoko, Jenny's husband, as you know, on the shoulder and I go, look how cute your wife is right now. Jenny was in her own little world. She was rolling around singing in the on the floor. She like you couldn't reach her. She was so into it. It was Jenny. It was so adorable. It really was. It's your. It's a happy place, and yeah. of course the musical the is going to draw me in and and it is it, it takes me back to that it doesn't take me back in a regressive way but it, it was it's very significant that heather was the person that i saw this with as well because we were sort of the square pegs right uh we both had lots of friends and we've continued to have different groups of friends over time but 
our relationship in itself sort of existed outside of any real social group or time and context. But, you know, here we were, these two kind of awkward, weird people who found each other and just gave each other permission to be just weird and it was okay. And that was what that experience was like going to that film. And we weren't like Jason or some of the other people that we've spoken to who saw it like a zillion times and we didn't have access to it and we didn't drive, you know, we were 12 when we first saw it. And by the time I was in high school, it, I, you know, that wasn't what my friends were doing. I wasn't in that group, but, um, but it really did. It just opened up this kind of wild, wacky world that it is okay to be weird. It is okay to be different. It is okay sure. to sing at the top of your lungs while you are walking down your hallways in junior high where people don't know who you are or what you're singing or why. It's like, I, we were just weird and we embraced it. I went with my people from my high school theater department. And at that, it, it, for, before the new order, it was at the Tiffany oh, Theater. Oh, yeah, on Sunset. Yeah. Beautiful Which was theater. an amazing theater. And we all went and, you know, high school theater friends. I mean, we were obnoxious. <laughs> As you should be at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. We were, you know, we sang everywhere. I'm embarrassed to know us. We were now. the same way. Yeah, like I mean, dorks, yeah. right? Theater dorks, and you know, shout groups. out to Point Players. What was your theater group called? At, at we, Fairfax. You guys, we didn't have a really. A, your theater department group didn't have like no, we were play production. Point. I don't know. Yeah, we didn't have a. Oh. We didn't have a name. Well, it wasn't like we had a name. And we all wore matching jackets, and we gave it to it. It was just <laughs> like you know, Point Players or Point Singers. So, but but we were a cohesive group. Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying you weren't. So, so anyways. Somebody in that group has since won an Oscar that went with me that night. I know. Um, anyway, I remember I, in high school, and I've spoken this before, I was maybe not as advanced as some other people. Like I hadn't, um, I hadn't given myself over to absolute pleasure quite yet. <laughs> I was rather dorky. So, okay, <laughs> like so yeah, so I was like, I feel funny down there <laughs> when I, oh my God. Was there one particular moment? Yes, there was one particular moment. It is when uh, Frankenfurner went down on Janet. I was like, ooh, what is that activity? <laughs> Why would a man put his face between my legs? But I like it. But somehow I want to know what that's like. Yeah. And, you know, years later, I actually worked with Tim Curry. Uh, he was on Rude Awakening. 
for he did like an eight week stint. Yeah. And he was the nicest man. He was really great. And I told him one day, craft services, I go, you made me want to have cunnilingus. And he goes, oh, dear, darling. So many ladies have told me that. (laughs) I mean, what else are you going to say to him? You know? Oh, but yeah, I was like. I wanted to be Janet, you know, but then we became obsessed. We had, I, I have pictures. I wish I had shown you. I have a picture of me, myself dressed as magenta. Maybe, I, maybe you could post one. Okay. Maybe. I have it. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. We need to get a cinema sex ed Instagram account. We should start one. We should. Yeah. Anyway, I will handle that. So you would dress like magenta. Yeah. And uh, my friend, uh, Jonathan was dressed as Brad and I, you know, he's a, He's a very successful Hollywood type now. And I sent him those photos of him because he came to, we had this party full on like underwear, tidy whities He did the whole outfit. It was great with the uh, hospital gown. Oh, yeah. And I have the best pictures of him. It was, uh, and Michelle Green dressed as Columbia. Yeah, it was a really fun, um, people like I'm telling you that like you should know. And um, shout out. Yeah, we just had the best time. We just love, we would reenact Rocky Horror all the time. It's just, it's a freeing experience, I think, that people have. And the younger you are, and maybe the more conservative of a home or culture that you come out of, I imagine that the impact is that much more significant. Um, I wasn't, I was, I was sexually inexperienced when I saw it, but I wasn't sexually naive because of where I grew up. Right. Uh, not where I grew up. Where I grew up was very conservative and <laughs> very sexually repressed. Love you, Chris Point. Uh, but, you know, my family culture and theater culture wasn't right. that way. But that was also what was so mind-blowing about it for me was, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, it just kind of opened up this other big window. And re-watching the film, I realized it really did have a much bigger impact on me than than I think I attribute to it. Or, or I had that same realization when I was driving home last night. I was thinking, even the way I dress, I mean, like, like it, I think if you have instincts within you to be freer and to be a more expressive artist, a film like that is going to tell you it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the research that I did, and I didn't do that much, really kind of blew my mind is that it in itself, the film created its own culture. So it's not only is it kind of an expression of the time in which it was made right in the mm-hmm. early seventies. Um, you know, so you do have sort of a, a gender ambiguous, a uh, glittery expression. Well, of that sexuality, was around like the Jagger, Ziggy Stardust, Ziggy Stardust, and, you know, yeah, yeah. that, um, rock and roll had brought that in and, and we'd had sort of sexual freedom from hair, the, the musical hair and some other, you know, culture was changing. Sexuality and, and the freedom in culture was changing in a significant way that I think might be lost on youth today because, you know, right now, I think everybody 
wonders like how do we put the genie back in the bottle right right like almost we're such a hypersexual culture now which more like whoa you know toddlers and tiaras are sexualizing children or you know these kinds of things so it's hard to imagine a time when that wasn't kind of what was all what what the messages were everywhere and so this this time was ripe for something right this I just uh, got the answer to something that was driving everybody crazy last night. I finally found it. What? I don't mean to. Whose lips those were? Oh, at the it was beginning. Patricia Quinn. Yeah. Oh, okay. You got it too. So, <laughs> want to talk about that? Want to talk about the significance of the the opening and Patricia, who played Magenta, sang the song but decided to have Richard over uh, O'Brien overdub her voice. That was interesting. That's really interesting because I also read something that she was really upset because in the play, because and I don't remember what I think the play was what nineteen seventy three. It was a stage play before, so Richard O'Brien, who plays Riff Raff in the film, um, I guess he was an out of work actor, and when he was bored, he would be writing this. And I guess he was obsessed with like horror films and sci fi films and. You may know more about that than I do because I really don't know much. I'm terrible. This is not my cinema area. It's not B films or horror films. And I know Miss Marcy likes herself a good a, a good scary movie. I do. I like to be scared. Yeah. Uh, so I like I... to be titillated. Titillation. <laughs> you said titillated. I said titillated. Uh, so he wrote this and. Through a series of events, he, you know, teamed up with, I think, Jim Sharman, I think is the guy's name, who directed it. And then they developed it and it was a stage play that in London, right? Yes. In London. For and it took off. I have, trivia, I have a trivia quiz. Want to take a slight tri- quick trivia quiz? It's only like eight questions. Sure. Okay. What was Eddie's occupation before he met Frank? Um, was Paperboy unemployed? Rock star or delivery boy? Delivery boy. You are correct. Okay. Um, what does Janet do to escape Frank's clutches in Planet Schmanet Janet? I'll tell you once, I won't tell you twice. You better wise up, Janet Wipes. Your apple pie. Kicks him in the groin. Kicks him in the groin, pushes him down the stairs, swears at him, slaps him. I really want to say all of the above, but I know she kicks him in the groin. Yeah. And he kind of ricochets back into the wall with the impact of it. Is that your final answer, Jenny? Kicks him in the groin would be my final answer. Is that correct? Girl power at its finest. That's That's what the quiz told you. The quiz complimented you. Girl power at its finest. Someone's going to point it when a crazed alien transsexual transvestite is chasing you <laughs> off. In the camera shot just before Columbia's solo in Time Warp, where is her top hat? Oh, really? On her head, on the floor, on the top of the jukebox, in her hands. On the top of the jukebox. Eh. Oh, okay. It's on her, uh, and it's on the floor. Okay, here's something that we all were saying last night. 
When we were watching the time warp, that party was a lot smaller to us than it was in all of our memories. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. We were... There were not that many people there. There was like maybe 12 people in the time warp. And when I, we were all saying this last night, when I, I remember from child, like childhood when I saw it or, you know, when I was in high school, it seemed like this huge party. Huh. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't hear you guys having that conversation and I, I, I had never really thought about it, but that's interesting. Why, you know, why did it, why do you think it was such a huge party to us when we were, te- I'm asking the therapist, <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> maybe also because you guys were having, you saw it in a movie theater, right? Yeah. The first time, maybe just the experience too of the size of the screen. And or whatever. just because or maybe, everything about it was so grandiose. And maybe, maybe part of the party too were, was the party in the audience that you're remembering. Or the party in our pants. <laughs> There's a party in my pants and you're all invited to come. <laughs> Do uh, more trivia? Yes. Just follow these simple. Oh, you're gonna get this dance instructions. It's just a jump to the left. It's just a jump to the left. That is right. Put your hands on your hips. Put your hands on your hips. Put your knees in tight. It's just, just a pelvic thrust. thrust. Oh, this isn't we, annoying at all. No. What does Janet's necklace say? Janet. Am I correct? Hey. That was she was she was sporting that long before Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> I know Janet was the first Carrie Bradshaw. After No Neck starts with his, I would like if I may. What would logically come next from the audience? Jason would know this. You may not. May. It's October. Of course you may. I'll bet you would. What was the what was the setup? What's his line? I would like if I may. Uh, that was a really good impression. I yeah. I made my neck. Non-existent while I did that. So the narrator role, the jokes are all about how it played by, I think, Charles Gray was the guy's name. And Vincent Price was supposed to be the guy. They wanted him, but he could they couldn't get him schedule-wise. He was actually going to do it. Wow. Yeah, that would have been it? awesome. Yeah, but he couldn't. But hell, think about it. If we'd gotten Vincent Price, we would have missed out on all of those necklace jokes. And, and not I know. neck, like less the neck, not necklace like Reed's Janet. Uh, I really have no idea, so I am going to make a guess and say the third one. You are correct. I am. What you may it? not. You may not. <laughs> if I may. What is the name of the... Oh, you know what? This one is so easy for Jenny because Jenny wants to be her. What is the name of the red-haired tap-dancing girl who's part of Dr. Frank's crew? Columbia. But, yeah, Columbia. That was one of the choices. I could see how somebody might think that that Columbia, played by quote unquote little Nell Campbell, who does Rocky sleep with besides Doctor Frankenfurter, Magenta, Janet, Brad, or Columbia? Janet. 
she feels dirty. <laughs> touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. I want to be sexy. Thrill me, chill me, fill me. Creature of the night. Creature of the night. <laughs> I've got an ish to scratch. I need assistance. Touch it, touch it, touch it, touch me. That was my other, uh, I feel dirty. Like I, you know, when she had sex with him after I, I, when I was watching the first time, I was like, Ooh, Ooh, wow. I, that's really cool. That was sexy. But now seeing him, I think, wow, he is really more of appealing to men probably than the ladies, if I would put it kindly. I'm a muscle uh, no, I'm actually not a muscle fan, but yes, he's, yeah, he's he a pretty he didn't sculpted. do it for me as a grown lady. No, but you know, it's interesting bec- that you're bringing up that because I think that there was a twinge of feeling funny down there for myself as well with Janet in in her white bra and her white slip and Susan Sarandon. Just what a beautiful woman, anyways. But here she is; this, she was really young at the time early in her career and what was sexy about that to me was her and seeing and feeling sexy about her not like I want to go down on her or whatever but but you put yourself in her body kind of a little bit but also just that uh, uh, also feeling an appreciation for the sexiness of her I'm almost like Rocky in my mind like Rocky's my way in Mm -hmm. like you know, like, like, what are these things that I'm putting in my hands? As he, I'm, you can't see me. But are you all I am, picturing Jenny her. oiled up in a a gold panty right now? Because That's she's right. rocky with a she's feeling a very rocky Dutch with boy. The blonde bowl cut. The bowl cut on Rocky is priceless. Oh my God. We were looking him up last night because we're like, whatever happened to me? He only did one thing after that. Is his name Peter Hinton? Peter Hinton. And he was, uh, uh, and it was like a walk on in a movie. And he is 69 now. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I said 69. 69. Isn't there a song like 69 Love Affair? Yeah, I used to like that song now that I think of it. It was the summer of 69. Was the summer of 69. That is not what I think of when I think of 69. I, know, I think I'm I giving know. myself over to absolute pleasure. Swim the warm waters of sins of the flesh. All right, so do you have any more? Yes, I do. God, you're bossy. Well, I want to get what to the What happens to Rocky cast, and Frankenfurter in the end? Well, they... they do the time warp again. Frankie dies and Rocky lives. Rocky dies and Frank lives. They die. They die. Is that correct? correct. Yep. <laughs> that was correct. Uh, okay, that was it. Those were all the questions. So I'm, I actually did You didn't... did really good on the quiz, Jenny. Thank you, Miss Marcy. You got a good score. I wish there was some extra credit so I could make up for the one that I didn't get. So I'm going to read just a brief synopsis um, 
that somebody had submitted to IMDb because I just haven't had enough time to write out my own. Well, and we had too much fun. Yeah, we had too much we fun. fun. But we, were, we had a party last night. Yeah, so from Cinema Fan on IMDb, this was... Thank you, Cinema Fan. Thank you, Cinema Fan. Here's the plot. Plot recap. 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 While driving home during a rain-filled night, straight-laced lovebirds Brad and Janet, by chance, end up at the castle of one Dr. Frankenfurter and a strange and bizarre entourage and find that he's having a party. This is no ordinary party, no ordinary night. This is the unveiling of the doctor's latest creation, Rocky, a man-made Adonis that will... That, that will give absolute pleasure. This is an exceedingly grand visual and musical camp satire of the golden days of the B-movie horror and science fiction genres projected along with a musical soundtrack to give audience participation a new meaning and dimension, time and space. This shall be a night that both Brad and Janet will remember for a very, very long time in the sexually kinky rock and roll, rock opera world of a gender-bending scientist and his time-warped plans. Plot recap, recap, recap. Just to add to that, that was just a synopsis. That was a great synopsis. Yeah, at the beginning, you know, they open and there's the marriage, there's a wedding that Brad and Janet are in. Now, what, what, there's all the the foreshadowing at the wedding. Yeah, you see all kinds of little, little things. Well, all the characters are there. Yeah. And the, the, they're in the American American Gothic Gothic pose in the background. And the guy, which, my, I'm, I am admitting my own ignorance and lack of knowledge on this, but what I realized was that the guy who plays Riff Raff, Richard O'Brien, is the guy who wrote it. Um, and That I did know. And who, uh, back to what you were saying before about the lips at the beginning of the film. So in the play, Magenta would open the play, apparently, I've never seen it, um, by singing science fiction double feature, and that was Magenta's song. And so... In the opening with the lips, which was also not the original planned opening, but what they could only afford to do. Um, which I love. Oh, yeah. And it's so It's an amazing now, opening. Which really goes to talk about like cinematic happy accidents, right? Yeah. Like when, when you're looking for a solution to save time or money or use what you've got, like sometimes it ends up being the best thing that could have ever happened to you. I knew Leo G. Carroll. Over a barrel, when tarantula took to the hills, and I really got hot when I saw Jeanette Scott fight a trivet that spits poison and kills. And whether it's cinema or your real life, it's kind of something to remember when you hit a crisis. Like, okay, now we got to get creative, and maybe out of that creativity will be something better than you originally expected. So there's Magenta, Patricia Quinn, upset that they want Richard O'Brien. Now, I don't know who made the decision to do the opening vocals. So he sings a song to her mouthing it, to her lips. It's kind of this wonderful representation of the androgynous nature of it. I mean, those are sexy. Well, sexy you know, we we're living in a really interesting time now, sexually, 
uh, where, you know, on Facebook, where there's like 480 different sexual sexuality listings. Yes. And sexual fluidity, like the people growing up now just, there have a lot more options. Of and, how to identify. Yeah, which is, you know, nice, I think. And um, I feel like Rocky Horror Picture Show then was probably very comforting to people who are confused. Oh, absolutely. And to this day, and I think that's one of the reasons why it holds up. I think that a lot of people, you know, I think it, it was a very comforting place probably for a lot of people. So let's go through the cast and just talk about them a little bit um, because Please, they're all so fantastic. Um, especially the leads. It's not, as you said, the party's not that big, right? With the support kind of background cast. But, you know, the cast itself is not that big, which is also the result of it coming from a stage play. Usually you've got right. a smaller base cast. But you've got Dr. Frankenfurter by the amazing Tim Curry. You know... How do you do, us? You've met my faithful handyman. When he, I think, one of the greatest entrances ever on film. How'd you do, I? See, you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because... When you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Oh, when his, the tapping of his, the shoe first and then just the pan up. So he's coming down in that elevator. Oh, my God. The reveal is oh. just beautiful. And he is just glorious. He really is. He is just this glorious transvestite. Sexy to men, woman, everybody. He is just sex. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. He is He's like sex on a stick. He is a personification of this, like, of sex and and sexuality, unfettered. I'm going to use that word again. Um unhindered maybe unhinged sexuality right but something he wrote or something he was he commented on i read he was talking about basing his character on a combination of both the queen and mick jagger if i can remember <laughs> and he has that jagger swagger right oh absolutely he's got, i was watching when we were watching it i was like thinking about the confidence not just of the character, but of an actor to be able to go in and do that. And something else I read said that he had gone in to audition for the role of Rocky and performed some song. I don't remember what it was, but that they all just knew right away. Like, no, 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 no. I cannot imagine anybody else playing that role. And when they were going to make the movie, Mick Jagger wanted to play that role and was really upset because they brought in Tim who had originated the role on Broadway and they really fought for him. And, and when they made the movie, they gave into the studios to cast two American actors, which we can talk about next, uh, as Brad and Janet, as opposed to the rest of the cast, which are 
well, most of them, which are British, British the other leads, because uh, it started in London. So there you go. Do you have more Tim Curry? Anything else to talk about him before we go on to Brad and Janet? I was so obsessed with him after I saw the movie. He came out, he released an album. Um, and I bought it and I still listen to it sometimes. I would love to hear that. Me, what I kind do of music? the only thing I still listen to me. I do the rock. I'll get, I'm going to look at the song. We'll play it at some point. That's crazy. I have it on my, I have it on my iPad. So that's Dr. Frankenfurter and he's not the first person you meet. And that, that also I think is part of the impact of that entrance as well. I mean, it's. It's not his story. It's Brad and Janet's story. Right. And we are Brad and Janet. Like the everyday people, you know, you kind of go into it thinking that they're your way in. They're the audience's way in. They represent sort of the establishment, the system, what's normal, what's good versus bad and and, uh, good and bad in quotes because, you know, that's all subjective. And... Brad was very young, very... Very Bostwick. Oh, my God. He was so beautiful in this. I've always loved Barry Bostwick. I've, you know, he's uh, he's went on to do so much. Um, he was great on Spin City. That I love that show. But he was so beautiful in this. And for me, again, as a teenager, and last night, I was like, oh, yeah, I loved him. There was, you know, that I had that nerd part of me. So a nerdy guy in glasses, but yeah, I I still have a thing for nerdy guys in glasses. We have to talk about the underpants. Yes, well, I think we should talk about costuming, but yes, the underpants. Well, they're almost like a character in themselves. Well, I for me, I recently had an experience where I realized somebody I found sexy wore white grandpa underpants. Personal, personal moments. And um, that's um, tough. It is tough, Jenny. It's tough. How do you handle that um, respectfully, gently? Because maybe there's a listener out there who has been faced with this, or maybe faced with a yeah. pair of tidy whities. You know, there's tidy whities, and then they're the ones that go just a little higher. <laughs> Almost like they're like grandma tidy whities, and they I can't mean, help but give them a little overhang on the sides and make him look, give him like built-in dad bod. Well, this is kind of also the result of somebody who's just not willing to admit that they might need a size larger. Like, no, no, I've always been a medium. <laughs> I've always been a medium. And you just know they come, there's skid marks in there. What? I don't know why there's something about them. You just, I mean, you feel like if some, if a man is going to wear that. 45 minutes in <laughs> and we get to the scat talk. <laughs> if a man is going to not is going to give up and wear those underpants is still a relatively young man. He's probably sharding. So let's just talk about the bravery <laughs> of one Barry Bostwick to do uh, spend well, so everybody much screen was, time. Yeah, in the in Grandpa Tidy Whitey's where he had a very big schmeckle. Big dick problems. Well, we were talking about this last night. Someone and- said it looked like he was wearing a maxi pad, but I think it was pain. Yeah, I think that our our lovely friend Marie, who is uh, another, she's a she's a power player in Hollywood. Let's just put it like that. I'm sure she wouldn't describe herself as that, but but she is. But she man. is, man. She has, she's, a, she has a fancy schmancy job. Yeah, she's 
she is a force to be reckoned with on her own. Love her. We and, do love but her. But she was, yeah, she was saying, what is that? It looks like they just, like stuffed a maxi pad to kind of cover up the, the junk and... Uh, but that is a lot of Bostwick pain, man. Yeah. He, I like, I want to knock on his door and say, hello, Barry. But I really knew what Marie was talking about. Because, it, again, it seemed to me like almost something where they're like, you know, we can't film him like this. The lights are, so we got to yeah. put something in there. What do we do? And it's like, Maybe I've, gauze? I've got a pad. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it looked thick. It did look thick. And absorbent. <laughs> And and I'm not sh- well. You know what's so bad about an absorbent penis, Jenny? You know if you think about it, <laughs> maybe Barry has sponge balls. <laughs> sponge balls, sponge, sponge balls, balls, big pants. <laughs> it's our adult cartoon. Maybe we can get our friend Eben Schleder to do the music for her sponge balls, big pants. <laughs> so so that's Brad. <laughs> Hey, Janet. Yes, Brad. I've got something to say. Uh Uh-huh. I really love the skillful way you beat the other girls to the bride's bouquet. Oh, oh, Brad. Uh, Who apparently the tradition is to always say asshole after... His name is spoken. beautiful powder blue eyes, too. Yes, he, he was great. He was beautiful. And teamed up with other American actor, actress Susan, Susan Sarandon. Sarandon. Who looked to me looks exactly the same. Like, she is just a beauty. Somebody said she was 17. Was that you who said she was 17? It was when, not when, me. Uh, I don't think she was that young. Because she was already married to Chris Sarandon okay. at that point. Uh, well, obviously, if her last I name was Sarandon. The, uh... Uh, some of the other trivia, I'm talking about them being in their underwear. He had the white tidy whities and white socks and brown loafers. And... Uh, just to kind of mix it up, not the black socks and sandals like we all see so often in our old men around the neighborhoods. Oh, please never. Uh, but she had on the white sensible bra and white slip, which was very sexy and beautiful uh, on her young body. I mean, she was so perfect. Um, she was so perfect. And one of the things that I thought about today, earlier today... People don't think, we don't think of Susan Sarandon as being a singer. Right. And her voice is perfect and so pretty. And this is in the day before auto-tune and a lot of sweetening. She's perfect for it. It's not some crazy it was vocals. It's not. It's not for Idina Menzel or Kristen Chenoweth. Not I just like- saw Idina Menzel at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh my God! I've got to geek out for a minute. What a great show. Sorry. Personal. Personal moments. So yeah, I mean, it, it's not like it, it. It required a lot, but she delivered, and the fact that. That she was brought in, you know, to be the American element in it is just kind of crazy to me because she just seems like she should have just been brought in because she was great. You know, I can't imagine another Janet. I cannot imagine another Janet. Um, 
No, she was. She had already graduated college, and she was a young married, so she was in her twenties. Okay, so she's in her twenties. Great, and thank you. Some of the stories talk about how in the late later scenes in the filming, she was not only really sick, but like had pneumonia when they were doing all of the uh, pool work, and they were all in like garters and um, boas, and they're doing this dance and. Uh, fishnets and in this pool and apparently she was terribly deathly ill because where they filmed didn't have any heat or (laughs) like had all kinds of problems Uh, it was not a it was not a building that was kept up on it's called oakley manor oakley castle or something and now actually it has been this the place where they filmed rocky horror you can stay there it has been turned into a very high-end hotel wow yeah, so where is it? It is in England, outside of London, wow. and there were a lot of other movies and horror movies that had been shot there, and it was a kind of a cool gothic place for them to film. But uh, yeah, I guess they only had like one little room with a space heater where everybody would go when they had a chance to thaw out because wow. the place was so damn cold. Yeah, little things like that I found really interesting. Like, there's a scene where they're bringing in, I think it's Dr. Scott, into the lab, and Frankenfurter turns on the three giant uh, magnets to pull Dr. Scott, who I don't know the name of the guy who played him in the movie, um, but pulls him, he's drawn in with his wheelchair uh-huh. uh, and he bursts through the wall and again it's kind of this moment that's kind of hilarious but it's also because they had forgotten to create an entrance there the set designer oh my gosh that's so funny you know what really was cracking us up was when rocky was born and they were just putting in like colored paint Color, they just make colored water. Just make it look busy. Yeah. It was like <laughs> another business. moment, you know, just like the uh, the the lips at the beginning where probably they were working with very little money. and uh, But yet it looked great. The entire movie was made for $1.4 which in 70s terms, I don't know how much that is. Uh, Jonathan Adams played Dr. Everett Scott. And the other thing is that in the play... The characters of Dr. Scott and Eddie are played by the same actor. Really? And Meatloaf played both in, I I think, the Los Angeles production, maybe, wow. which was at the Roxy. Uh, and he was very disappointed when they were casting somebody different to play Dr. Scott in the, the movie. The, the Los Angeles version was also at the Tiffany. Was it? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I read said that when Lou Adler, who... Uh, is a big music producer and then became the producer of the film, came on board that he's the one who was staging it at the Roxy because oh, really? that's his theater. I think he owned oh, the wow. Roxy. Okay. But uh, they may have done it at the Tiffany as well. I don't know the history of all the timelines. So I'm, this is not my thing. Like, I know everything about Rocky Horror. No, this is just a great piece of trivia that I just is about Eddie. When we get to Eddie, I'll. Okay. Well, let's talk about Eddie. Meatloaf. Let's talk about Eddie and uh, Meatloaf. Meatloaf, it's so funny. Meatloaf was a uh, already, you know, a, a well-established rock star when he did this. 
always sort of the anti-rock star because when you look at him, you know, not the sexiest looking man. No, but he's... Unless you're like voice. me and you like the angry teddy bears That's or true. The, the cute teddy bears or the funny teddy bears. But I mean, I, I've always been a meatloaf fan. Paradise by the Dashboard Light is... Ugh. Oh my God. I got very excited. But yeah, his but... voice is almost operatic. It's yeah. Like I mean, he's got this amazing voice. Operock. Most of the actors weren't told of the prop corks of Eddie under the dining room tablecloth. And when it was revealed during filming, their looks of horror are genuine. Which is fantastic. Yeah. I love moments like that when you get like honest moments from the actors around them. I think it was just like Tim Curry and probably Richard O'Brien because he was, you know, the producer, writer, creator of it. They were the only two who know. Knew. I also read something that when everybody auditioned, when they were doing the play, they were all auditioned just with the music. And they continued to uh, rehearse rehearse it. So when they started to actually work with the script and costumes and he first saw Tim Curry come out in his outfit, Meatloaf, supposedly from one tale, like freaked out and like ran out of the theater like he didn't (laughs) want to do it. And he was just like, no way. And just was really... Not sure he wanted to do it, and I think he got a ticket for jaywalking because he just like oh my freaked God, out so and just funny. like ran out of there. And somebody else, I think maybe it was Lou Adler, somebody told him to go back, and he did, and he went back and did it. But the other Eddie trivia that I find hilarious is that his character, a big part of the character, is that he's this motor. He rides a motorcycle, right? He's like this motorcycle thug guy, and Meatloaf didn't ride a motorcycle. And so there's a stunt double in all the motorcycle shots, but they took a wheelchair and put motorcycle handlebars and the visor, what is it, like window shield, uh-huh. attached it to the the wheelchair, and that's all the close-ups on him. Oh, He's, my it's God. It's like somebody pushing the wheelchair. Hilarious. Hilarious. I love hilarious. that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. And I guess at some point the motorcycle had fallen fell off the ramp and had like crushed the stuntman but the stuntman was okay but there's like all kinds of problems with that damn motorcycle so probably a good thing that meatloaf didn't try to conquer his fear or learn a new skill i wonder how it is manifested in the movie or not the movie the stage play if that character if eddie is also i don't know or if they've used an actual motorcycle maybe they used a bicycle i don't know <laughs> or just you hear like the sound of it off stage yeah. who knows but there was there were questions because when eddie comes on the scene it's about a quarter of the way in maybe a third of the way in maybe it's the top of the second act he comes out of this freezer and it's very confusing which we could talk about the, the plot holes or the... There's just, so many. It's just like very hard Why to follow. Why was he in deep freeze? Right. Well, he was in deep freeze because Frank Conferta was mad with him. Right. And they had been lovers. And and he he split his brain with... Did he split it with Rocky? Or did he split it with Columbia? 
But yeah, I mean, he Frankenfurter had split Eddie's brain on with one of his other creatures, and I think Eddie was like the vessel was himself a creature. Yeah, himself a Rocky, and he had on his leather jacket. It said "baby" on the back. And right, then was, but then, then, then the professor said he was his nephew. Which, so that's why I thought maybe it was he was his nephew. All I know is everybody. Loved him. I very nearly loved him. Everybody shoved him. I very nearly loved him. I said, hey, listen to me. Stay sane inside insanity. But he locked the door and threw away the key. Oh, she's so adorable. Uh, Jenny met me. You thought maybe she was talking about Columbia, but she was looking at me right now. You are. You are. Yes. I'm adorable. wearing sweaty. Today's outfit, sweaty gym clothes. There will be a quiz later. <laughs> we are both sporting buns. Not the man bun, the female bun. Personal. Personal moments. Someone came up to me at the gym the other day, Jenny, and said, look at you sporting a man bun. I go, no, I have my hair up because I'm schwitzy. <laughs> I'm a woman. Women have been wearing buns for quite some time in history now. That is crazy. I know, right? Who goes to a woman and says, you're wearing a man bun? That's like, like he saying, said it was cool. Like, hey, that bag you have, that looks like a purse. That's a man bag. <laughs> yeah. No, it isn't. Look at you sporting the man bun. No, it's fitzy. I'm sweating. I'm no, my hair it's up. a bun. Yeah. <laughs> if it's on a woman, it's just a bun. We, we bunned first, boys. <laughs> We are the we are the bun originators. We are. Riff Raff we've talked a little bit about being Richard O'Brien, the creator. T- tell me a little bit about your thoughts on Riff Raff's look. <laughs> At the very end when he had the big cone well, on his all head. Together, I mean the, the from beginning to back. end. He's an archetype. Archetypes is the new prescient. <laughs> I mean, they are archetypes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Here's the crazy thing about me. I even found him, I also found him sexy. I don't know why there was that badness, that quiet evil. My love of men with a humpback. No, I <laughs> Rub the hump for luck. That's right. Who doesn't like a nice humpback? Somebody mentioned, does the hump... Does the hump seem to be moving from side it to did. side? It did. It does move from side to side. It's one That's of those little so things funny. to kind of watch in it. Yeah. And then in the very end, yes, they, they're both. He, everybody everybody has almost ass exposure in the movie. And the hair. Yes. I mean, the hair. It, on one hand, Riff Raff is sort of like the stringy haired rock and roller. And at the same time, like kind of slightly homeless merged with like an Igor type and that somehow I found sexy tell me more about that as you describe it I'm feeling a little bad about myself right but there now. is something that's like he's long and lanky and the way he moves thank you very... for trying to justify my weird perversion pervy Germans well there's there's a shot where he's he's crank he, he's cranking something when they're when they're birth and rocky and uh his legs are so long and it, it, his physicality even though it's it's beforehand it 
it reminded me, it invoked in me memories of Jack Skellington. Uh, Jack from Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh. The, the, that physicality reminded me of, mm. of that. So I, I wonder mm. if Tim Burton was influenced by the physicality I of I think a lot of people were in that. Yeah, could be. It would be interesting to know more about how indirect influences it had. I mean, we know like Lee did a whole Rocky Horror spoof uh, or spoof or episode. I mean, a lot of shows to fame, sure. they go to see it. Yeah, we were talking about that last night. The movie Fame, when they went to go see it and that was, they all got their free flag on. And there's another movie recently, I don't know if it's The Fault in Our Stars or something like that. Some I think in a lot of teen movies, there there's Rocky, you know, they go to see Rocky Horror. I think probably... If we were to look into that further, there's probably a lot of going to see Rocky Horror scenes. So besides that... On how... TV shows, too. Yeah. I, I can't remember now, but I know on some TV shows they've done it as well. Oh, that 70s show, I know they did it. And and like like I said, I know they did a whole Glee episode. Yeah. Um, but then there's kind of these like little indirect influences that are here or there that I'm sure... Yeah. We... we if you didn't know or weren't looking for it, you might miss. So Magenta was played by Patricia Quinn. It's a dreamy, oh fantasy free me, so you can't see me. No, not at all, in another dimension, with voyeuristic intention, well secluded, I see all. Good. the role on she was so good yeah she she was great i love that so riffraff and magenta are sisters and or sister 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 and brother are with siblings. a weird sexual and they have this weird chemistry. elbow sex they do have elbow sex yeah and this is before incest was like nowadays which it seems really wrong to say but nowadays in terms of storytelling incest seems to be really in it seems like you cannot turn on some sort of a you know, and drama. It's not there really being my interest. What? I'd rather not see it. <laughs> I, uh. Right. It, it's not something you want to normalize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's really. It's strange. really icky. Yeah. I mean, Game of Thrones, and it's like everybody doesn't look like those Lannister children. People really look more like Riff Raff and Magenta. <laughs> Yeah. But maybe that's just a lack of options. Not, I don't even want but, to go uh, into that topic. Yeah, but. and who also knows? Because really, in Rocky Horror Picture Show, we find out they're aliens. So maybe, you know... From Transylvania, which is actually not another planet. Transylvania is actually on this Earth. But this is a... Uh... This is a universe on the parallel universe, right? Ah, it's, right. It was, so, wasn't yeah. it the it was a pl- the planet transsexual in the transsexual Transylvania, right? Ah, ah, ah. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Magenta, you've dressed like her. I mean, she seemed to be like you know the housekeeper I, or something. I don't you know. You know, you know what I thought was really cool and and points out why Jenny and I are such good friends. I always was Magenta, and she was always Columbia. I I love the costumes. I was paying more attention to them than I think I had before. 
I think of them all in their outfits as being very distinctive. And, you know, what's if you think of a character the in your first thought, what is the what is the outfit that they're wearing? But then I'm watching and I realize, OK, it Columbia is not just in the little tap shorts with the, you know, in the rainbow tap shorts and the uh, not glitter sequined bustier and top hat there's also she's wearing mickey mouse ears and one and, right and, oh, I and her that. you know and a men's pajamas ratty pajamas right pajamas and pumps right 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 they were like those they were like spike-heeled mules oh they were fantastic i want them now but when you think of frankenfurter you think of him in that entrance and not in his uh, his kimono. Yeah, right. There's I love the kimono. his kimono. But then there's also where he, his lab coat. Oh, yes. Um, or Magenta, I think of her in the maid's costume and not in this other, like, see-through black negligee thing that she wears. Jenny was telling me that she wanted to get the pink uh, gloves that Frankenfurter wears, his pink lab, lab gloves. And yeah. I was thinking just now, you're talking about indirect influences. You know, Dr. Oz wears brightly colored gloves on his show he does he and i'm wondering if dr mehmet oz is a secret frankenfurter lover frankenfurter file frankenfile furter he's a frankenfile maybe dr mehmet oz is a sweet transvestite deep down transsexual transylvania He looks like he could be from transsexual Transylvania. Doesn't he a little bit? He really does. So, come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. We talked a little bit about the narrator and Dr. Scott and Eddie and then and Rocky. So I think we've covered the cast. Patient. And the shadow cast. I mean, people... The- thing about rocky horror that's like so that's so significant is the shadow cast the the audience participation and it'd be interesting to know and this is just sort of out to the universe like who do people dress up like the most and do people do people tend to go towards the characters that they look like or if you were, say, more of a meatloaf body type, but you wanted to dress up like Riff Raff, is that who you would go as, right? I think that you and I definitely keep veered towards like who we look more like. Yeah, but that's what I'm wondering. Like, yeah. are there other people though who are more like, no, I'm, I'm built like dr scott but i'm going to dress up like frankenfurter now let's let's for a moment think about some of our favorite men dressed as frankenfurter let's put that visual out there how about a seth rogan as frankenfurter i I pay money (laughs) to see that would you (laughs) i'd like to see seth rogan as brad (laughs) (laughs) of course you would let's guess let's do a modern day rocky horror with elizabeth banks as janet Okay, because she's your lady crush. She's definitely pretty fucking awesome. Um, Joe Mangiello is Frankenfurter. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, I, but he couldn't sing. I don't know. I'd I make don't. him Rocky. Yeah. He'd be Rocky, but I would actually have Sandra Bernhardt as Frankenfurter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. And 
then I think maybe Amy outfit. Schumer as Magenta. Just kind of throwing it out there. Just kind of mixing it up. Something I'm different. It up a little you know? bit. It's a female you know, comic. Why so. does why does Janet have to be the only blonde? That's true. Yeah. That's true. Who would be Eddie? Mm. Well, Jonah Hill. I knew that was coming. <laughs> Yes, where the fuck was Jonah Hill? We had Channing Tatum, and then I didn't get my Jonah Hill mandate. (laughs) Jenny just wants to be part of a Seth Rogen Jonah Hill sandwich. I think what we really need to do is (laughs) she just needs Jenny needs to open a production company so she can make a lot of Jonah Hill Seth Rogen. No, no, no. We just have to convince Judd Apatow to remake Rocky Horror or do like a staging of it or something, just for my pleasure. Maybe he could play Frankenfurter. (laughs) Judd. No, I think Judd would be a great narrator or Dr. Scott. <laughs> See, there we go. Riffraff, who would be a good riffraff? Mm, mm. Yes. Oh, she's she's she sounds like Rocky right now. Mm, mm. Mm. Which and while well, she's while well, she's thinking of the name, the I'm, other thing about I'm I'm totally blanking. He won an Oscar, big nose. <gasps> Adrian Brody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right? Adrian Brody is riffraff. Oh my God. You know, Darcy and I, are, my friend, Dar- our friend Darcy and I have this like running thing about Adrian Brody who just takes himself way too seriously. He does like, indeed. if you Google images of Adrian Brody, his he needs a stylist, man. I used to see him at the dog park. He had a tiny, tiny <gasps> chihuahua. Yes. I've seen pictures of him with that tiny, tiny yes. chihuahua. Which I, I, you know. I love a man with a tiny chihuahua. Tell me more about that. I think it says a lot about their penis. And a maxi pad sized package. I think you see a man with a tiny chihuahua, you know there's a big schmeckle in those pants. Or do you have a tiny chihuahua because it makes your cock look huge? <laughs> no. I think when you have a, bi- a man as a big dog, they have a tiny penis. I think a man has to have a big penis to be able to carry off a tiny dog. You're absolutely right. I'm. I do. I, I, was just... I have a tiny Chihuahua. I hold her up to men's penises. Just, just, just that's like my indicator when I'm dating. How does your penis look next to my dog? I think that's important, Jenny. I, I think you so know too, when just you're for like family photos. The check. No. The checklist yes, of when a man is right for you, because Lord knows I haven't been doing it right up until now. Look, so. at a certain point, yeah. I mean, it's just got to be some really <laughs> random criteria. How does that his we penis look with my dog? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's still good. That would be a bad soundbite to isolate in this. <laughs> Who else might be a good Frankenfurter besides Sandra Bernhard from my experience? But, she, you know, male-wise. I know. I'm thinking. Yeah. Oh, you know would be a good magenta is Adina Menzel. Uh, she- but she's, she's too much of a star. Yeah, she's too much of an actress, like of a singer. Like I think it's got to be like she's not. I guess she did rent, right? But I mean, I don't think of her as like having like who's got a rock voice too. Cause so oh no, them, she is a rock voice. So many of them. Have. She is, you know. Yeah, yeah but I think absolutely. of her as the princess from Frozen. You know, I think of her right. As, She's pretty great. But yeah, she could be a great magenta. And Kristen Chenoweth would be a great Janet if you were going to go. Do a Broadway cast. Yeah, do a Broadway cast. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Would be the best Frankenfurter ever. Yep. Just oh the, my God. Isn't his show the best show ever? He would be the best Frankenfurter. He would. Neil Patrick. Well, we love NPH on this show. You know who also would be a great Brad would be 
Stephen Colbert. Yes. Yes, he would. You know what would be a great Janet? Who? Marcy Smolin. <laughs> Personal. Personal moments. <laughs> I feel that myself and Stephen Colbert would be a very nice Brad and Janet. Oh <laughs> Absolutely. And- I think we'd be a very cute couple. And I think um, a really good Eddie would be Jenny Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) And damn it, I would ride my own motorcycle. No, no, I probably wouldn't. I'm afraid of him too. You'd have to get me a wheelchair with an... Have you ever ridden a motorcycle? uh, Only with my arms wrapped around somebody else's waist. I've never driven one. Did you get a... Did you have a... What? Like a prince moment? Like a purple rain? No. I, the first time I ever rode on the back of a motorcycle, I had a, you know, lady. Lady gasm. orgasm? I did. I was like, okay. A lady I don't gasm know. is different than a male gasm. I don't know. Well, in a, in well uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Interesting. If you've got your own thoughts um, and um, you want to pitch your own ideas for a modern adaptation cast we'd love to so hear we have your neil thoughts. patrick harris stephen colbert marcy <laughs> i've cast myself jenny wilson as meatloaf as eddie yeah exactly <laughs> i i want to talk about some of the themes in in the movie and some of the some of the themes because they have really big cultural and personal impact not just on us but on our friends and the people we've spoken to and and people all around like the freedom the sexuality the dare to be different i like how it kind of points out the hypocrisy in the brad and janet characters that you know you you go in with them and here they are trying to be the good you know the good girl and the good boy and they get so naughty yeah and they are so naughty yeah and and it kind of it's like the duggars (sighs) It's like Josh Duggar. <laughs> Just don't tell anyone. Yeah. And I mean, it if points you. Out but, that hypocrisy. And yeah. in a way. In a, not in a judgmental way. Josh Duggar could play Brad. <laughs> I know. No, I can't even look at him. I, I don't even give him any more of our airtime. I know. Like, repulsive. I, I have, you know, yeah. With these, these types, I have issues, as you yes. know. Yes. Tell me more about that. But it's, gross. Yeah, I mean, this idea of res- what is respectability and then kind of breaking through that. I love that because it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. The most uptight person, the more uptight someone is, the more likely it is that they're 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 buttoned up because they're afraid that if they unbutton right. something ungodly is going to be released. It, that's exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's this fear. And I think that Rocky Horror really shows that in its own way that I I certainly didn't get when I first saw it or anything like that but now as an adult and you know doing what I do and looking at it not just cinematically or you know artistically like psychologically there's there's something going on there as well and it gives you permission if you are a good girl or a bad boy to run around in your underwear and it's okay and Kind of reminds me of that scene in Metropolitan, that Whit Stillman movie. I don't know if you, where of they're course all I've sitting around playing strip poker or something, and you know they're all the preppies and how that culture is so traditionalized, right? And there's so much um, uh, containment in certain ways, and yet those 
there's so much rebellion as well in in the preppy culture. I think bottom line with Rocky Horror Picture Show, why just to to go back to what we were saying at the beginning, why why has it become such a cultural phenomenon, and why are so many people drawn to it? I think that deep down we all want to be bad and it give you not bad, but give yourself over to absolute pleasure, like the song. And I think that it gives people permission, whether it be in their life or in just in those two hours to give themselves over to that. is supported by the environment that has been fostered over the last right. 40 years with the, like you go in and people are throwing things it's and an shouting escape. back it's, it's an the, escape it is the exact opposite of going to 99% of the movies that are out there you don't right. go, people audience participation you don't talk back to the screen unless you're in certain neighborhoods um, you don't throw things, you know, but here it's not only accepted, it's encouraged. It, it shows, it enhances the experience as opposed to detract from it. And I think you're absolutely right. It's like, just let it go and, and be free. You got a head and your mind goes big Your heart pumps and your blood will sing So let the party and the sound rock on We're gonna shake it till the life has gone Rose to my birth to be saved from the trouble and pain Scoff at what's normal. Challenge the rules, right? And apparently that started happening in 1976, so the movie had been out a while, and, and they don't really know, people don't really know where it started, that people started dressing wow. up. And up. But it all started to happen sort of at the same time at different places, and people started dressing up, and people started talking back. And when the data had been collected at different places and kind of compared, it was crazy how similar different places' responses were to one another, there there are certain through lines like the the necklace jokes about the narrator or asshole after everything Brad says or slut after everything Janet says or you know certain things like that which i think is fascinating how how does that happen it's like monkey mind how right. do two people in two completely different areas of the world have the same thought and implement it at the same time i find that shit just fascinating and and look look at what happens and it's still changing apparently if we went tomorrow to the new art you and i would hear new things <laughs> i know i know it sounds so unappealing I, but apparently like, the audience dialogue also changes based on what's happening in the world today and i've read some audience participation scripts where they were i want to call it the f word because i find it it's almost as offensive as the n-word but where they would say fag a lot where oh. fag was used a oh lot. that's not good at all no but i think that there was a time in which saying that wasn't that we didn't think of it in terms of pc and the culture you know 
And that's also part of Rocky Horror is is challenging what is culturally right acceptable or not. But yeah, I would be feel really I felt uncomfortable even reading those responses on the yeah. page. Being in a group of people now, hearing them say that would be very upsetting, even though the people who might be screaming it are more likely to be the LGBTQ members, you know, the the, the people who are in the audience who are, we're all queer in that way, you know, we're all out there. If you're at the Rocky Horror, you are kind of a weirdo of some sort if you're really into it and you're participating. Like uh, not necessarily. That's what I think. I don't, I think that... Um... I think that, like I said, I think that a lot of people who go to Rocky Horror, yeah, maybe the ones who are in the show, but I think a lot of that, they, they, that's their time to explore that. And I think that's the appeal of it. The appeal, yeah, to the people who are questioning, to the people who are like myself, who has never questioned my sexuality, but is, a, I think, a very artistically creative person. But do you think that the people, that, that those members like yourself or somebody else who may not necessarily be dressing up or going every week, though, would be using a pejorative, what, what I would say a pejorative term like fag, that their intent would be malicious? No, 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 no. Exactly. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that, that I think that a lot of people who go uh, no, I was putting myself more in the quirky group because I'm an artist, you know, yeah. and I'm a performer. But I think they're the, the really straight laced people who go, who will pro- go there, like let go and then go back to, into their box. But I think that's, that's their time. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And that's not what I'm I'm saying. But I, I everything that you're saying, I think is absolutely right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying I say Q like LGBTQ and I say queer as it's queer or quirky. It's, it's the Q can be quirky too. Right. um, Queer is being different and, and that use of that word, which is so strange that I feel like it's so so weird to say it now because I wouldn't say it now in general company, but maybe in the context of that. I know that's all, that's a whole other show. I mean, what, what we can say and we can't say changes. You know, all of a sudden a word becomes wrong. But that's one of the things that's beautiful about Rocky Horror is that it really questions... Everything. It challenges social messaging that hetero is normal and normative. And, you know, you step with Brad and Janet, you step into that castle and the rules of the world change. Right. And that's... What's so amazing is suddenly you're like, none of this makes sense, but suddenly it's so nonsensical that it seems to make perfect sense. That I love about the movie. And there's a degree of seriousness to it as well. Like, there was also, like, you were talking about the props with the, uh, with the rainbow-colored, uh, gel that goes into the tank that births Rocky Something like that, which just seems like a solution, but Tim Curry's commitment to it in, as he's getting all the colors in is just perfect. Yeah. But then there's these other details that are so well thought out that it's really kind of nutty. Like, I read something that if you look, Rocky doesn't have a belly button, like a proper belly button, because they thought, like, well, he's not born of an umbilical cord, so he wouldn't have one. So, so wait a minute, like logically you guys go there, <laughs> but there's all this other stuff that doesn't really make that much sense. Like 
what did have who was was Eddie actually the nephew of Doctor Scott? Right, that Eddie or? Eddie was very ambiguous. The castle was the castle there before. Was the castle the spaceship or right or, or what? I mean, these and it's fine. It's not about the plot, but those little prop details or those little costume or makeuping details. I think I think that Richard O'Brien was a you know a really interesting artist, and I think that. That uh, what was important to him was important to him and fuck the rest. <laughs> that's what I, that's the, you know, what I feel. And, um, you know, it. Uh, bottom line, it was his first thing. So there are going to be plot holes because, you know, we're both writers and, you know, some of our early works. Ooh, hello. But it, but it, it took off. I mean, it was a successful play. No, it took play. off. No, no, I'm saying it took off. But, but really, you know, when you talk about plot holes and everything else, he was a baby writer. Yes. Yes, you're right. So, you know, you with writing, there's there's a certain path that you have to take to get better, you know. Yeah, you just got to keep doing it. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to know your thoughts about the is is it a gay wedding? Do do Frankenfurter and Rocky get married before he takes Rocky to bed? Yes, absolutely. Is that it, was another thing. Is, is they that absolutely. Like our first cinematic gay wedding. I believe it is. Dig it! If you can in just seven days, I can make you a about it before or after well that's a lot in the movie a lot of things <laughs> like that just happened but i love that yeah like okay yeah here they are and it was he was a little proper he took him to he got married him before he took him to bed <laughs> look and at chained him. him up and yeah, chained him to the and, bed yes exactly i love the stained glass of atlas over the the silk bedding of their marital bed and then Riff Raff, there's a part in the film where Riff Raff starts taunting Rocky, who's asleep, and it's very Frankenstein's monster-esque, right? Yes. Taunting him with, with fire and sicking the dogs on him, which also made me wonder at first if Riff Raff was a creation. I wasn't clear at first until... It wasn't clear till the end that Riff Raff and Magenta were not also. Yeah, it it seemed like they were. It seemed like everybody was his creations, and then and jealous. But listen, they still might have been his creations. The, cre- the creations could have turned on him. I mean, that, you know, that's true. But they did say that they were from the planet Transsexual. That's right. Transylvania. <laughs> Not real yes. nudity in it. We had. Oh, I thought some... you were. I was like, I'm not today. I'm sweaty from the gym. I. We had some pre Janet Jackson nipple slips. We did going on Columbia. Thanks she had very to Jason again for pointing them out. Yes. Yeah. 
he he was a treasure trove of knowledge, but really, she had very pretty nipples. She had. Whenever I nipples. see nipples like that, mine don't look like that. Mine are mine are tan. Personal personal moments. But they're really other than those nipple slips. There wasn't no no, no nudity they, other mm. than when they're turned into statues. But and part I of what if those statues are their real bodies? I don't think so. I think that was what was titillating. Titillating. I said, I said titillating. it again. Uh, you know, when we were teenagers, is that like, oh, maybe they're going to be naked. They're going to be it's almost naked when they, you know, they were in their underwear. Oh, are they going to be naked? You know, when you're, I remember, you know, when you're first coming to terms with sexual, more. when you're coming to terms with sexuality, yeah. The thought that maybe there's going to be nudity is, is sometimes more titillating than nudity itself. How do you think that the film approaches... Jenny looked really serious just now when she said that. How do you think that the film approaches gender roles? Or doesn't? Because something I read thought that it was not... Um, that it, it it did not do anything for, for women. That it was uh, almost negligent in its portrayal of women in the film. It never even occurred to me. It never even occurred to me either. So that's why I, I don't even know think. What it, you I thought. think it's. I think. I think that's a non-issue. I think it is as well because of the fluidity of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's sort of like, well, who it's, is? Who are the women? It, it, it doesn't it? do anything for men either. It's just. It's. It's. It's an equal plane. You know. Kind of brings into question both masculinity and femininity, right. and what is it? Right. And, yeah. Okay. Good. Because uh, I was like, am I like? missing something here and i really wanted to kind of hear your thoughts on that because i thought it was kind of a strange thing i mean we we definitely have in in film before this uh there is a tradition of cross-dressing um and of course there always is in art and theater i mean shakespeare all the women roles were played by men Yep. Right. So there's kind of a, a history in, in art and performance of cross-dressing or whatever, but this is sort of embracing it in this. You, <laughs> you guys can't see this, but Marcy's sunglasses just fell onto her face from, from heaven. Let's just say from heaven. And she just suddenly looks like a rock star. <laughs> I am a fucking like a rock hungover star. rock star. Well, I am a little. I sucked down a lot of wine last night. I didn't. I didn't even realize I was doing it. You're Yoko, and kept refilling my glass. It's his fault. Yes. And then I think well, someone you know, else did. Well, you know, we've got did. so much booze in this house because we're not drinkers. I'm not we, a big drinker either. So it's like I think it's so, more like let's get rid of it. Uh, I, yeah. So I'm slightly, and I I'm not a big drinker, so I'm I'm a little out of sorts today. The costumers didn't set out to sort of create this punk culture in the clothing, but so much of punk culture was influenced by the wardrobe of Frankenfurter and the staff in that film. I mean, we did talk already about, like, the glam rock influence. Yeah. But... I I spent some time in the punk rock world as an active participant, and... Actually, Rocky Horror was not that not a big thing. I'm not talking about it as a big thing in the punk community, but in terms of the style, when you like his jacket with all the buttons on it, yeah, and, that's true. And the the mixing of the androgyny of it, yeah. The the mixing of the masculine and the feminine, and it not being really cut and dry. Um, 
that that's more what I'm talking about. Right. So the the rips in the stockings, the kind of the throwing together. It it, it looked like all everything, even even the pajamas. They're talking about Columbia wearing. You know, that's like with the ratties. pajamas with the yeah with they're the like pumps, flannel, pumps and pajamas. Yeah. Um, the underwear, like your lingerie being a big part of your outfit, that your bra, your bra is showing. My bra was showing last night yeah. at our party, by the way. I yeah, wearing that. something sheer with the bra showing. We should talk know. about, Jenny and I kind of really, Jenny and I were variations on a theme last night at the party. Personal. Personal moments. Yeah, we tapped into pieces of our former selves. Too. Yeah. It was really funny. We didn't really plan it, but I came in and I was, you know, leather pants, ripped t-shirt, bra showing, combat boots. And she was wearing like a little Catholic schoolgirl skirt with uh, with stockings and a garter belt. Yeah, I was wearing a mini kilt and, and then my Converse high tops because I no longer want to wear my come fuck me heels because they're just not practical. No, they're really not. <laughs> they're really not comfortable. But it was it was funny. We were like wearing the same color scheme, red and black. But uh, it, it made us laugh. Maybe just us. <laughs> One of the things I noticed in the costuming uh, in the lab coat for Frankie, he's got the upside down pink triangle. And as I was saying to everyone last night, at the time when I'm, you know, 12 years old, when I saw it, it didn't, I, the pink triangle meant nothing to me. The rainbow that is apparent in the birth tank of Rocky meant nothing to me. I was not... Uh, I had I had grown up in the theater with gay couples all around me, and that was normal to me, but I didn't know the gay subculture no, at all. No, I didn't either. Or what was I normal. Yeah. So I didn't notice those things. So I see that, and I was like, what is the what is the significance of it? What's the history of that? At what point did that, did that come about? And the pink triangle, the history of the pink triangle, I'm just sharing this because I think it was interesting, comes from Nazis. And when in the concentration camps that they would, everybody had to have the patches or, um, and they'd have triangles. The Jewish star? Well, because the triangles, uh, if for just the Jews would be two yellow triangles made into the star, right? But other people would be like a star uh, or the an upside down triangle in blue would mean one thing and green would be another thing. And pink would be homosexuality because it wasn't just Jews who were sent to concentration camps. There were other... Uh, subculture groups that were sent like the homosexuals and then you would have like a pink triangle and a yellow triangle if you were a gay Jew or things like that that people would identify them I know a lot of friends who should have those triangles I'm just gonna I know what to buy for Christmas now so so that is that is the history and apparently in gay culture at, at a certain point the culture took back the pink triangle and you know i love the idea they flipped it on its head so it's actually right side up but that that was the origin of the pink triangle which i did not i did know. not know that either and i thought that was that was kind of interesting uh, the rain the origins of the rainbow as a symbol of gay pride is is murkier but um you know we can always go back to it all starts with judy doesn't it, it all starts with judy garland it and does, over the man. rainbow um, but yeah, Rocky Horror in terms of fetishism and just the openness of sexuality, that promiscuity is also okay. You know, just don't tell Brad. 
transgender being different in terms of, by the I'm not much of a man by the light of day but by night I'm one hell of a lover we're we're all the same in the dark I love where Frankenfurter goes in and seduces as Janet. long as you shower <laughs> we don't all smell the same in the no dark no one likes a smelly person in the dark I came to realize that you know, if I'm worried about my shape or I'm not feeling completely like I'm in my top form, and there have been plenty of moments in my life where I felt like I was not like my sexiest or my the top You're of my You're always sexy, Jenny. But I realized like, you know what though? There are very few moments where somebody is looking at your entire naked body and probably no moments where they are doing a full-on analysis and if they are you don't want to be fucking that person that's right that's how i feel but everything is just like it's a mouth here and a thigh here and it's just a moment and it's a flesh and it's a feeling and it's like it's not about like like i've got to be posing at all times because i'm the whole package is speaking i do however have good poses for when i'm going to the bathroom if there's not an available sheet I, I walk sort of sideways with my thigh up a little bit. It's a good look for me. But and you've, I, and you've, you've come to find what works for you. <laughs> yes, I have. No, but I agree with you. And I think that, again, the, the movie, you know, by night I'm one hell of a lover. By the light of day, it doesn't matter. Yep. It doesn't matter. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man By the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet... There's a documentary that may have already come out or it's coming out soon called Rocky Horror Picture Show or Rocky Horror Saved My Life and it was an Indiegogo kind of crowdfunded thing. Go-go. Indiegogo. Whenever I say Indiegogo, I want to go-go dance. And I think it'll be cool to see that because they're going to talk to a lot of different people. I guess it like really examines the impact of it um, in a way that goes beyond what we're talking about here. Because although we both saw it, we're not part. I mean, we weren't part of the regular. We didn't go 100 times like Jason. No, we did not go 100 times like Jason. Saying like, I'm interested to see it. And maybe maybe it'll be something. I would love to see it. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, we could, uh, maybe we could set that up. What are we talking about next? I have an idea of what I want to talk about in the next movie we want to talk about. Okay. We can find a lot of stuff online. If you're going to go, really, I mean, it is really cool to go your first time to see it in a theater. It is. I would recommend go. Like, if you're in, you know, I think there are places online that will tell you where it's playing. Here in L.A., it plays at the Newark on midnights, on uh, Sunday nights. Uh, I will say, if you are going to go, get there really early Leave your judgment at the door. So, Marcy, how did critics respond to this movie? I'm going to go through the cinema sex ed standard questions <laughs> now. Sort of like the Proust questionnaire at the end of... The criti- how did critics respond? They didn't know what to do. They didn't like it. I no, like but, that, but in a way, yeah. Like, well, if you really look at it, it's a horrible movie in some ways, but it's a fantastic movie. But, you know, if you're a, a stuffy critic, you know, I can't imagine Siskel and Eber. Although I do think... Maybe maybe they'd hated it because they were a little afraid. Probably. We've talked about what's sexy about the movie. We've talked about how it got made and about what's unique about it. 
and and what feels derivative does isn't really derivative because it's everything's really homage. I mean, it's homage, homage, homage. Even in the lyrics, you it know? sure is. Yeah, um, all about B horror movies and and that world, right? Fay Ray, King Kong, all the kind of little nods to King Kong as well. The um, RKO. So, what does this movie seem to be saying about sex? That it's a good thing. Pro sex, pro it's, body. It's 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 beyond pro sex. It's you know pro your sex pleasure. Whatever your sex no, it's happens pleasure. To be. It's pleasure. Pleasure on on every level. It wasn't just, not just sex. I mean, it, people, I think too, are afraid to allow themselves pleasure. You know, we're we're living in a culture right now where you know you're denied, denied, denied. Don't eat what you want. You know, don't live how you want who you should have sleep with, you know, and it's, you it's, really think that? Cause I think yeah, I the do. opposite. See, I think almost, I, I, I don't disagree with you on to a certain degree. Like when well, you're listen, talking about food. We, yeah. Well, let's say, yeah. But I like, mean, like uh, what, on one hand, we're telling people fit into this box, but on the other hand, we're saying, right. But if you don't, there's a YouTube channel for you and you could find your community and right. whatever you think and whatever you want is no, okay. No, I know, but, but you know, it's funny. I was thinking last night, we we served movie food. It wasn't the healthiest food, you know, and everybody ate very, still very sensibly. They did. I mean, you know, we, there's a lot of stuff left over and you really, really saw that people, I don't know, not denied themselves. but Not me. I ate most of Susan Avalone's blondies, which really <laughs> sounds very, very dirty. There's nothing um... more delicious than Susan Avalone's blondies. And I don't, I don't think that every day in your life you should give yourself over to absolute pleasure. But I think that my, how I personalize that is sometimes, yes, sometimes you should give yourself over to absolute pleasure. Sometimes you should say, what the fuck? And just do what feels good. Well, it's a culture of denial versus a culture of indulgence. And like anything, somewhere in between is going to be the happy medium. Right. Actually, I read something recently that was talking about one of the challenges in society today, Western culture today, is that there has, we have, we've confused seeking pleasure with happiness, like that pleasure is happiness. And it's not. Pleasure is not because there's what you're talking about too. Like you overindulge and you're going to be unhappy yeah i'm yeah i exactly that's how i'm feeling right now you know i overindulged on the, the wine and uh therefore felt that i had to work out for a lot of hours this morning <laughs> so you gotta analyze the cost benefit yes so what does the movie say about relationships mm. does it say anything about no. relationships because i don't kind think of a it... family too like... yeah but there's not a lot of respect for traditional relationship in this then that maybe that's what it's saying yep. about relationships. Yeah, I guess so. Relationships yeah. are as you want to define them. Yeah. And family is define, as you want to define Yeah, them. define, find new definitions. I think we've covered this already, but are there any characters that you relate to? You know, not really. <laughs> uh, you know, I would dress up as magenta when we were having Rocky Horror parties, mostly because, you know, I had the things in my closet and, you know, I could do her hair. <laughs> Because uh, you've got fabulous hair. But I wanted to be like all of them at some point, you know? I mean, they were titillating. What's the best part of Rocky Horror to you? 
Oh, God. From start to finish. What's your favorite song in it? Um, I don't know. I keep right today, I keep singing Give Yourself Over to Absolute Pleasure because I feel like that's a theme, but I don't know. I love them all. There's not one I don't love. I think the time warp is a little overdone. Yeah, I think that's kind of you know, like maxed out. So, you know, there's other ones in the film that I've been walking around singing for days. Well, Time Warp was also one of those songs that you could play at your junior high dance. Well, I, yeah. You I mean, play, you're you not know. playing Touch a Touch a Touch a Touch Me, but when right. the song, when, when. I think we played the Time on, Warp at my bat mitzvah. Right. You know, <laughs> bunch of little Jews doing the Time Warp, little dorky Jews. That was fat. I mean, that's you know, and, uh, and Uncle Saul hopping in. There's a good look. That that has been absorbed into the zeitgeist, into, you know, <laughs> mainstream culture. Zeitgeist is the new prescient. <laughs> when you set back is kind of amazing because yeah, like right. does Uncle Saul really understand what the original source of this is? And maybe because I think wasn't it you last night who was saying like, can you imagine that soon there's going to be maybe it was Murray, like an old age home where you know the population are having movie night, like a bunch of 70, 80 year olds are like, let's do Rocky Horror. Picture oh, absolutely, show. yeah, like, it's know. so funny. To th- well, if you think about now, who's in, you know in some of those communities, it's people you know who were my parents, free love, the sixties. I you know those people are in their seventies now. Right. So when we're there, Marcy, I mean, when we're there at Shadowy Pines, and- <laughs> <laughs> we'll be time warping. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. We will be dancing in our underwear. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. Which we do now. And last night, by the way, I had a dance-related injury. I've got to keep control. Oh, yes! Jenny and I were preparing for the party and getting ready, and we were dancing. And I got a little overzealous, and I hit my head on the corner of the table. It was very frightening. I thought we were going to... I was afraid I was going to die in the middle of the party, and that would have been odd. But I didn't. I made it through. But I have a bump. Is there anybody who should not go see this movie? A weakling weighing 98 pounds. No. I will rub your bump for luck. Thank you. Do you think that this is a movie that everybody <laughs> should not? I'll rub your bumps. What? Uh, My bumps. Do you think this is a movie My everybody should see or anybody shouldn't bump. see? Or... No, why not? I mean, I wouldn't take my, you know, I wouldn't take my three-year-old neighbor to see it. I would say that, you know, you should be of a certain age to see it. Pink and quite clean. Yeah, I think it's a rite of passage almost. I mean, yeah. we've got so very few of those anymore. But I don't No, I know that makes me sad because they're they have access to so much on the internet. The kids today have so much access. But yeah, no, I I do think uh, it opens up some feelings that you have to be ready for. So I don't no, I don't think you should take an eight-year-old to see it in just seven days i can make you a man we know that this movie will stand the test of time it has lasted it has years already and it shows no sign of stopping it holds up so 
it, it may be eternally sexy, although I may not still be around in 50 years the in the future universe, you know, if there were people listening to this podcast and we're long gone, but who are watching it for the first time, I think that would be fucking awesome. That would be it would so be cool. Awesome. I, I hope it does. I hope that, you know, when, when there are generations... And you know what knew. I get from that just now? Jenny is trying to kill me. <laughs> <laughs> On the day I went away Goodbye. Was all I had to say and she's plotting it. <laughs> she's talking about when I'm gone. Cause I seen When we're gone, not when you're gone. It's gonna be a murder suicide. <laughs> and I realize I'm going home. Let's just talk about the narcissism in that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <Because you> just, <laughs> that was so you, bad. How you went to directly, <laughs> not only. <laughs> That you were going to be gone. It wasn't we were going to be gone. That you were going to be gone. And not only that you were going to be gone, that I wanted you to be gone. And I was actively trying to speed up that. I love you. I love you. I love you too, So Jenny. I think it's June. boy, girl, sexy. and It is absolutely boy, girl, question, sexy. I don't even have to. And, and it is panties down all the way. Panties around my ankles and flung across the table while I'm dancing on a bar to club with my vagina showing <laughs> well not that, that anyone wants to see that that is not an image to end on <laughs> if that does not in itself rose tint your world i don't know um i really want to thank all of our friends who came over and watched it with us and all all of the people who responded on Facebook too when I asked about their experiences if they could yes. remember. Everybody remembers the first time they saw I love it, it and where. And please write your experiences to us. We love reading your mail. Thank you for your mail. You can find us at genmarfilms at gmail.com or on Twitter at genmarfilms. Yes. And on uh, Facebook, on genmarfilms. Genmarfilms. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you would be so kind and let us know uh, your thoughts, not only on what we've been discussing, but on what you might want to hear us talk about. And what were your thoughts about what the next one would be? I, because I've been hearing a lot about this and I think it might be really fun. The Graduate. Yeah, but I thought we were going to do something more contemporary. We were. We were also talking about doing, I don't know if it's available yet for me to see, because I didn't see it in the theater, but we're talking about doing Trainwreck. Yeah. Um, but Although it, that did not make me feel funny down there. It did not make, well, but that's something to discuss. Yes. So whether it's The Graduate or something more modern day, uh, we will be back soon with something titillating. Titillating. It's Titties. I'll be good, you'll see. 
Thank you, Miss Marcy. This has been lovely. And class, you've been so well behaved. You have been very well behaved. I think we we're going to give you milk and cookies and a corset and a blowjob. Your homework for this weekend is... Give yourself over to absolute pleasure. What's come over me? Whoa, here it comes again. No running in the halls. <laughs> Darkness must go down the river of night streaming. Massage. There's nothing um, more delicious than Susan Avaloni's blondies.